Greetings, bibliophiles, to 5 Author Questions, or 5AQ, presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library, the podcast that attempts to delve into the minds of writers using only five questions. I'm Sandra Farrick, Head of Youth Services. And my name is Kevin King. I'm Head of Community Engagement here at the Kalamazoo Public Library. So today we're talking short stories. I like short stories. I do like short stories, and I've always been a fan and amazed at the short stories that pack so much into so little. Yes. That's what makes them really great and hard to write, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. So my question to you is, mm-hmm. who is your favorite short story writers or favorites? I'm always partial to Edgar Allan Poe. I like to be he, creeped out and whatnot. He's but then on I, my list. Well, I <sighs> claimed him first. Okay, he's yours. <laughs> and then I also like short stories about series that I love when they spin off into little short stories. Oh yeah. That's, those are cool. Yeah. My, actually my favorite, probably my favorite writer, Mm. um, is probably also my favorite short story writer, which is, um, Oscar Wilde. Oh, huge fan of Oscar Wilde and, and Edgar Allan Poe. They're both two of my favorites on the favorite author list. So (laughs) I think we have some pretty good choices, but today we talked to an amazing, we're not talking to Edgar Allan Poe or (laughs) Oscar Wilde because if we were, were, If we were, we would be more famous than we are already. And we'd need maybe a Ouija board. A Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, we should try that someday. That'd be a cool <laughs> one. But um, but before we get to our, our, our guest, I want to, again, talk about our social media stuff. If you want to follow us on the Instagram, it's at 5authorquestions, F-I-V-E, author questions. If you follow us on the Twitter, it's at 5AQPod. And then if you want to email us and tell us about your favorite short story writer, mm-hmm. it is at podcasts, multiple, mm-hmm. at kpl.gov. And also remember to like, share, and subscribe to 5AQ. Today's guest is Caitlin Horrocks. And she is the author of the story, of story collections, Life Among the Terranauts, and This Is Not Your City, both New York Times book review editor's choice selections. Her novel, The Vexations, was named one of the 10 best books of 2019 by the Wall Street Journal. Her stories and essays appear in The New Yorker, The Best American Short Stories, The Penn O'Henry Prize Stories, The Pushcart Prize, The Paris Review, Tin House, and One Story, as well as other journals and anthologies. Her awards include the Plimpton Prize and fellowships to the Bread Loaf Writers Conference, the Sewanee Writers Conference, and the McDowell Colony. She's on the advisory board of the Kenyon Review, where she formerly served as the fiction editor. She teaches at Grand Valley State University and in the MFA program for writers at Warren Wilson College. She lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan with writer W. Todd Kaneko and their noisy kids. So I hope they don't hear this someday. <laughs> They're like, she's thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they it's take true. pride in their noisy. They might take pride. Yes. To learn, to learn more about Caitlin, visit her website at CaitlinHorrocks.com. Life Among the Terranauts demonstrates all the inventiveness that won admirers for Horrocks' first collection. In The Sleep, reprinted in Best American Short Stories, residents of a town in the frigid Midwest decide to hibernate through the bitter winters. In the title story, half a dozen people move into an experimental biodome for a shot at a million dollars, if they can survive two years. As the Boston Globe noted of her first collection, Horrocks is a master of wild yet delicately handled satire, a sprightly heartbreak in which she is able to mingle a note of tenderness in the desolation. With its startling range from Norwegian trolls to Peruvian tour guides, 
Life Among the Terranauts once again dazzles readers, cementing Horrocks' reputation as one of the premier young writers of our time. Welcome to 5AQ, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I, I know I said I wasn't a fanboy too much, but go get Life Among the Terranauts. It is amazing. It is so well-written and so... Um, I mean, I, I just can't, I, I started, I got it and I just kept reading and I kept reading and I kept reading and the yard work didn't get done and, yeah. and, you know, I didn't eat and, and I'm really happy for it. Wild yards are in, in, yeah, they're in so Vogue it's now. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's fine. Wild Vogue. So here's the, here's the deal, Caitlin. We have five questions. The show's called five author questions, but we might have follow-ups and they don't count because it's our show, our rules. So you might get a follow-up. All right. Question number one. Life Among the Terranauts is one of the most buzzed about and critically acclaimed books of 2021. Isolation and loss are two of the most prominent themes in the book. Were any of the stories written during the pandemic? And if not, was there a specific catalyst for writing about these heavy themes? So none of the stories were written during the pandemic. Okay. Um, any publishing takes a while. So mm -hmm. pretty much any book is, is written at a different moment than the moment in which it comes out. Uh, and then as the author, you start doing the, the marketing stuff and the author questionnaire. And there's all these questions that are asking you to articulate, like, why should people read this book right now? <laughs> uh, and I will confess, I, I'll, I'll sort of be like, I don't know. <laughs> there, there's a lot of great books out there. You know, they could read Oscar Wilde. They could yeah. read Edgar Allan Poe. Um, maybe I'm not the right person to to say like you you have to read this book now, uh, because with with all of my books, I, I've been really. Um, scared of that moment where it, it enters the world. Um, and I, I wrote it at a certain moment in time. I wrote it at a certain moment in my life. And then you just have to hope that it, it speaks to people in, in the moment that it, it arrives to them. Um, and I, and I think with this book, um, I mean, there, there are downsides to having a book come out during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, a good thing um, is I, I think this book, um, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, dealing with isolation and loss, but also for me dealing with that in the context of, of a community. Um, my first book, I had a lot of people um, where circumstance had just really cut them off um, from, from other people or they felt very cut off from other people. And I, as a writer, I wanted to explore, you know, groups and, and communities and, um, people who, who should maybe be living uh, and, and depending on each other in, in healthy and unhealthy ways um, and what, what the group dynamics looked like um, and, and sort of found myself over and over um, finding, so you just sort of seeing those, those moments of splintering or those moments of fissuring um, where somebody uh, has to decide, can I stay here? Do I go? Um, can I stay here the way that it is? Or does the world need to look different? Do I need to kind of rebuild the world around me um, or, or reconsider my own relationship to, to the place and that I've been living with and the people I've been living with? Um, and I think I, those, those are perennial questions, um, but definitely questions that um, I think became more resonant <laughs> as, yeah. as the, the rules of the world, as we thought we knew it changed. So when I was reading, you know, when I read the book, I felt there's a lot of times it felt like a bomb, like, oh, I'm not the only one having those specific feelings. When I finally realized those feelings were coming out in the characters you were writing about in the situations. So, you know, the question is, did you write anything during the pandemic? You know, I mean, we understand how long it takes, it takes to make a book. I just thought well, maybe there was a story you're like jamming in there really quickly. <laughs> if it's really well, but in terms of how I feel like this book is, is talking to, 
lot of us trying to figure out and identify those feelings that we just went through in the pandemic. So seeing those other people, understanding what they went through, understanding their feelings helps us come to grip with our own. So that's what I really, really enjoyed about the book. And it, it was, it was pretty good. It's pretty good mental health medicine. So her book is timeless. It's timeless and timely and, and it, it was really good stuff. So I appreciate it. All right. Interview's over. She's great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got four more questions. Question number two, if you could pick a theme song for your life, what would you choose and why? I, I find this question so hard. Uh, and, and so my, my partner, Todd, is a writer um, and also a huge professional wrestling fan. Oh. And his, it, I was talking to him about it. And he's like, well, like, like think of it as like entrance music. Like, what yes. do you want to think as you walk into he's a room? so right. Um, but then, yeah, but I mean, but then his examples were all like, you know, really big yeah, kind yeah. of pro wrestler intros. Um, and I just, I, I, we have different tastes in music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love a good wallow. <laughs> um, I, I love sort of listening to sad song mm-hmm. over and over again. I, I always have. Um, so in, in the end, the, the two songs that were left standing as I mm-hmm. thought about this, um, one I, I would have said was my theme song in my angsty teen years, mm-hmm. um, which was a uh, hyper ballad by Bjork. <laughs> um, nice. uh, which, in, I mean, um, well, explaining a song is impossible and it never means to anyone else what it means to you. <laughs> uh, but um, it, uh, yeah, I'll say hyper ballad. Um, and then more recently, uh, Josh Ritter song, Joy to You, Baby. Um, nice. Which has, I mean, it has melancholy to it, yeah. but it also has um, that sense of yeah. things working out, um, you know, towards towards joy. <laughs> yeah. So did, did you have to catch any of his concerts during the pandemic? No, I, so I, I had, I had twins, uh, in oh, September, that's right. uh, so I've, I've caught nothing. Okay. <laughs> I've, um, I, I sign up, you know, I go to event bride, mm-hmm. I put in my email, I yeah. get all the links, I have yeah. the best intentions and then mm-hmm. somebody is always screaming, um, and it never works out. <laughs> What's funny. Cause I I've seen Josh Ritter a couple times in the first time that we saw him, he was this, the, the most lively bubbly personality. And he like, he hugged us like we just met him and he's like, oh, thanks for coming to our sh- my show. And he hugged us. And I'm like, I've never had a musician hug me after their show. But we were just we just did a conference mm-hmm. and he was one of the speakers. Yep. Josh Ritter was. Oh, yeah, it was pretty cool. <sighs> Jealous. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of um, music does fit different times. And we get this question a lot or at com. I mean, this answer a lot of people saying depends on the time mm-hmm. I lived sure, in, yeah. you know, and um. I think it does make sense, but I love your husband's thought of entrance music. Cause I often think of certain songs is like, if I can ever just come out on stage, I want this song to play. What is that song? I don't know if I want to say it. Of course you do. <laughs> it's the, the, the Eminem song where he goes like, guess who's back. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin's yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin's back. Tell yeah. a friend. Tell a friend. You know, that's what I want. I always think that would be really funny, but that's just me. What would I you feel want? Like somebody, somebody needs to play this now at like your next staff meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! So we are doing. Were you going to talk about the playlist? You can talk about the. Playlist. Okay, so so we're this is we ask this question a lot, Caitlin, and we're actually going to put together a playlist. It'll be out should be out soon. Working on it right now of all the songs of all the authors we've talked to on it. So you have this nice little playlist of things that'll be interesting to hear. A very eclectic. Very eclectic. <laughs> very eclectic, which is kind of fun too. Yeah. I think I think you picked Eminem because he's from Michigan. Not really. I just think that <laughs> song is a great entrance song. It's like, you know, yeah. Yes. So 
Okay, we digress. We totally digress. <laughs> Question three. Oh, another fun one. Yes. What fictional character have you always wanted to meet in real life and why? So I, my question for you before I answer is like, am I, am I entering, how does this work? You know, like, like am I entering the world of the book or is this character oh. just like showing up on my doorstep? And, oh like, my gosh. No, the world is your oyster. Whatever you want. However you want it to go. You know, some people, some authors said, well, I, you know, want to go to a beer with this, with this person and talk about this. And some people are like, I would like to go there, you know, whatever you want. I, cause this this one makes me feel like a big weirdo because especially if it's the latter, if they're like mm-hmm. entering like my my world, yeah. the answer is nobody. <laughs> the, <laughs> the answer is like get back in your book, yeah, uh, like, go go away. I uh, and and I think it's I mean good fiction certainly is like it 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 feels real. It feels like it's in in conversation with our world mm-hmm. in, in some way. You know whether it's a, a fantasy world or, or a realist work. Um, but I think it also feels like complete to itself in a way mm. that um, even though I like the feeling that this, the, the story could go on. And it's really lots of like fan fiction is written out of that impulse of wanting to spend more time with the characters exactly. and, and see what happens next. Um, I, they, they, they belong in that. Like if the world is, is good and well done, they belong in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they are complete in that world. And like, I, we, we don't have anything else to, to talk about over a beer in a way. Um <laughs> But uh, I think she's I trying did. to break our question. I think so. <laughs> she's trying to break our I'm question. Like, I over I overthink things, I guess. Um, but if I think about it the other way, mm-hmm. which is like, do I get to go inside the book? Yeah. Um, I would have had a, a thousand answers to this um, as, as a kid. I mean, I, I wanted to enter like every fantasy novel I read. I, I was too old to wait for a Hogwarts letter, but mm-hmm. I would have been that kid <laughs> uh, if I'd read them sooner. Um as, as an adult, um, I would totally love to spend some time in like the first third of The Secret History by Donna Tartt, mm-hmm. um, you know, like before, before things go bad, because they go very bad. Um, but just the, the bucolic little college where everyone is sitting around talking about books and they're, they're all very wealthy. Uh, so they're <laughs> sitting in someone's beautiful weekend house, uh-huh. like drinking wine and going for walks and in the mountains and uh, talking about ideas. Um, that's It's a very... It's a very seductive uh, little little world. It's just me. the life of a librarian, actually. So you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you do nothing. We understand. <laughs> Is there a difference in the way you approach a short story versus a novel? And do you know which one you're writing when you put pen to paper? I like this question. Thank you. I don't. I don't know. Um, I usually sort of have a have a guess of of what I think it's going to turn into, or about how long it's going to be, um, and I'm usually more or less right. Um, the the wrongest, <laughs> the most wrong I have ever been uh, was I wrote a really terrible short story um, inspired by the life of, of Eric Satie, the French composer, um, which was like disastrous in many ways. But but one of the most prominent is that is that it would need to be a novel if it was going to be anything, um, and that was the moment at which I sort of realized okay, um, I, I have I have a novel-sized idea here. Um, but most of my ideas are, are, are smaller, are, are short story-sized, um, whether that's like a longer 20-pager or whether that's um, a flash fiction. Um, I've been wrong in the opposite direction more often, where I think okay. something's going to be a, a novella or a longer story, and then I realize like uh, I've, I've sort of explored the character or, or I've said what I have to say in, um, in a smaller space. How do you, I mean... How would you prevent from being like strictly a short story writer? Like people just know you as a short story writer, just put out a a novel like you did in between these two to make sure people know that I can do long books too. (laughs) 
I, for a long time, I didn't know if I could do the long okay. book. <laughs> uh, I, as, as a fiction writer, um, the moment you start publishing anything, people assume you're going to start working mm-hmm. on a novel um, or that the stories are, are a warm up um, towards the novel. Uh, and for a long time, I, I really did just kind of just identify as a story writer. I mean, that was um, every idea I had was was a mm-hmm. story sized idea. Um, and I started to feel some anxiety about that and then and then couldn't tell whether that was just sort of career anxiety, like externally imposed mm-hmm. um, or whether that was more, you know, it's there's it's a different artistic experience and, and an exciting challenge to, to take on a really big, big story. Um, and, and I I wanted to have that experience um, just mm-hmm. to, to try it for its own sake and, and see how it went. Um, but I just I, I knew I didn't have an idea that um, I wouldn't get sick of mm-hmm. <laughs> over the, the course of okay. time that it would take to do a novel. Um, I didn't have an idea that I felt um, yeah, that, that I would have enough to say and enough to kind of entertain a, a reader with um, un, until the, the the Sati book. Yeah. Do people um, push back and say things like, well, you know, you're just writing short stories now. When you write a real novel or a big novel, I mean, do you hear that? I, I would imagine short story writers hear that a lot. I want to punch those people. Yeah, I would too. Okay. Or kick them. Yeah, that's you. Scratch their eyes out. <laughs> the, um, I, every... I've, every year there was a, there's a, well, it's closed now, but <laughs> there was a, a, a cinema here that would show, um, it was a little like independent movie theater mm-hmm. that would show um, uh, the Oscar, Oscar nominees. So like oh. the, um, the, the short documentary and the mm-hmm. shorts. And, and I would always very dutifully, I would make sure that I found out when they were showing the short uh-huh. live action ones <laughs> and I would go and I, maybe yeah. there would be like three of us in the audience, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, these, these are my, my kin, my, these, my are, people. these are like the short story uh-huh. writer were, you know, yeah. short story writers of Hollywood. Um, and it is, it's just a, um, it's not a genre that gets as much attention. Um, it tends not to, to draw as many readers or as many prizes or as much money. Um, but it's, I, I, I love stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have, there was, there was never a moment that I saw it as kind of a warm up for, for yeah. bigger projects. Well, you think with the short attention span of people in the world, the short story would be the most popular thing people would want to, you would think would read, but yeah, I, I loved, I mean, I've always loved short stories and as a storyteller and as someone who likes to read stories, it's, it's, you know, they're perfect. If you get a good short story going. Um, so, yeah. And I do think they are harder to do than novels, right? Cause you have to say everything you want to say mm-hmm. and develop the worlds and develop the character yeah. and develop all the things in very few pages and still have it just as impactful as like a 600 page yeah. opus without, <laughs> without overwriting. Right. Right. I think a lot of short stories I read seem to be overwritten. I had to write a biography for myself for some event and they limited me to 500 characters <laughs> and <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> so I have a new appreciation yeah. for what it takes to write a short story. Cause I couldn't even put my little bio in 500 characters. I think I, if I ever had that challenge, I'd say Kevin King, he doesn't suck. Nice. I think that's going to be my bio from now on. He's pretty cool. Oh, that would be good. There you go. There you go. All done. All right. <laughs> Sorry, we've, we're digress. We're like, oh wow, someone's here. We're talking to people. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin, we get off on those tangents here. So, if you could travel in time to experience any past event, when and where would you go to? And for our audience, this is question five. So, having spent 
like a decade um, with with Eric Satie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived 1866 to 1925, um, and his uh, various uh, members of his his circle. Um, definitely, I, I sort of kept thinking of of moments that I, I wrote about um, and and would totally love the chance to, to be there in person. Um, so I, I found myself sort of thinking about um, moments that are more documented, like, like the premiere of this or, mm-hmm. or you know, sort of career milestones. Um, and I realized, I, I think the moment that I would be most curious about um, is a moment that I, I imagined a version of it in the book, but I have no idea like what really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be whenever he first shared um, the gymnopedies um, with somebody else, with with some mm-hmm. kind of audience. Um, we, we know there's sort of there's like, um, there's, we have documented, like he, he was orchestrated and, and performed here, but just whatever that was where he sort of had, had this thing that he was working on this, this series of piano pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone listening to this has heard them, whether this name means anything to you mm-hmm. or not, you've heard it like in an airport or in the background yeah. of a commercial, they, they are ubiquitous. I, uh, and I often, when I was writing the book, um, but he wrote them when he was very, very young, um, and went on to have a very, um, kind of, a diverse career beyond that um, and a very eccentric personal life um, beyond that. Uh, And that question of sort of what was he, what was he aiming for at the time? How did he hear them? How did the people around him hear them? Um, How would he feel about that being the thing that survives him more than anything else? Um, Just, just, just that moment where he sort of first took this, this private um, thing that he was working on at a very young age and, and started to let it out into the world. Wow, that so it's like you know the first time being there, the first time the Beatles did a song, or you know, or Bob Dylan did something. That's kind of what you're talking about, like the birth of something creative and and something personal. So that's kind of cool. The energy there would be mm-hmm. really fun. So those are our five questions, and uh, we appreciate you um, dealing with our little um, side conversations there. But <laughs> now we have the final bonus question. It's what's now or what's next for you? Well, your, well, your question about like writing stories versus a novel. Um, I have an idea that I, I think is the next novel, okay. um, but it is waiting until I have daycare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I am still home uh, mm-hmm. working uh, part-time with the twins. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long year. Oh, I bet. I, and there has not been a lot of writing happening here. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, later this summer, uh, our, our older child will go to kindergarten. Um, the mm-hmm. younger kids will, will have, will, will have some help. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to um, get back into what, what hopefully is the next book. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Caitlin, for being with us. And we really appreciate you talking about your work and your short stories and the importance of a short story. And people should Thanks read for- people should read more short stories yes. and they should start with yours. Exactly. So. I, yay, short stories. Thanks for yay, reading. Yay, short for stories. Me. Oh, and we can't wait to bring you uh, down here to Kalamazoo for an in-person author visit. And we have youth librarians that we can give the twins to. And you can, oh, yeah, sure. you can talk to adults. <laughs> Just so, put him in my office. Just put him in, yeah, Sandra's <laughs> office. <laughs> Stick him in a filing cabinet. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Five Author Questions presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And finally, we leave you with a quote from Stedman Graham. Everybody has 24 hours. And the question is, what do you do with your 24 hours? That's what makes everybody equal.